This is the Off the Charts Business Podcast for multi-passionate entrepreneurs. Here, you'll learn how to design a scalable business so you can spend more time outside, away from the screen, through actionable ideas, real-world examples, and pep talks from your host, that's me, Natalie Lucier, founder of Access Ally. Welcome to another episode of the Off the Charts podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Lucier, and today I'm so excited to have with me Rebecca Tracy, the founder of The Uncaged Life, where she works with coaches to get clear on their brand message, create packages that sell, and help them get clients without being all over social media. So I love this so much. Becca, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. Yeah, it's fun to be back. (laughs) Yeah. So for those of you who aren't familiar with you, can you give us sort of a how you got to where you are today, and a little bit about your stance on social media, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I feel like I started my business before Instagram was a thing. So I started back in 2011. So we definitely had social media, but it was nowhere near what it is now. I work mostly with coaches and coach-like businesses who are trying to build online businesses selling their services. And I've, I mean, I've been doing it now since 2011. So I've I've used social media on and off in lots of different ways over the years. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But yeah, I started probably like most people who are listening to this who wanted, you know, wanted my reason for starting my business was I felt like I was always, I was always getting fired from jobs for taking too much time off. And I was like, I need something. I need a career where I can have more flexibility. And so I, in a very roundabout way, started off as a, as a health coach and a life coach and was doing some marketing on the side and yada, 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 12 years later, (laughs) you know how it goes. There's definitely lots of twists and turns, but I feel like I started when the whole location independent business thing was kind of just taking off a bit. It was kind of becoming more of a thing. There was a couple like blogs about it. So different now, right? After COVID times when everyone's working from home and no one has an office anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we have a similar journey because I also started off in the health space and yeah, you know, the four hour work week travel, all of that stuff was definitely big around Mm -hmm. those couple of years. So yeah, it's kind of cool that we have this view of social media platforms that have come and gone, you know, and different things that have sort of trended and disappeared completely. So do you want to talk a little bit about that and why you think maybe social media might not be the number one place where people need to focus their energies if they're just getting started as a coach. Yeah. Oh my gosh. As you say that, like Periscope comes to mind. Do you remember Periscope? <laughs> and like maybe, Clubhouse and- yeah, Clubhouse, yeah. But I think Clubhouse is still a thing. This is, this is the exact problem, right? It's like, there's so many social media platforms and I, by nature, I'm not a super online techie person. Like I'm not an early adopter of all the tech things. I'm sort of like, okay, let me slowly dip my feet in and see if I want to stick with something. And so to me, it always felt really stressful to have to constantly be learning the new thing or the new platform or the new hashtag strategy or the new algorithms and then putting so much effort in and then to have those platforms just disappear feels like an unsustainable way to build a business. But for me and a lot of the people that I work with, I guess I should preface this all by saying that social media is great. I use it. I'll talk a little bit about why and how I use it. And I think it can be really, really good for business. But what I find and what I see with a lot of our students in our program is that when you're new to business and you don't even know what you're selling yet, you haven't really validated your ideas or your messaging, and you go directly to social media, you end up creating a lot of content, spending so much time in Canva, making images. How how much time does it take to make one reel with like all the perfect clips and music? And you end up spending a lot of time making content that just kind of disappears in the blink of an eye and doesn't even really 
do anything for you. It might get you some likes, it might be inspiring, but it's not really doing the job that your messaging should do to bring you clients. So I've just found lately that a lot of my students are like, I don't want to be on social. I'm like, great. Well, what if I just said, let's just not be on social media then? Um, right. And then the next question is like, well, what do you do? And I, you know, I think back to like, well, what did we do when we started our business, right? Natalie, like we didn't have those options. And I think a lot of the old school methods still work really well. They totally do. And, you know, you mentioned you use social media. I use social media. I think also it depends a lot on your business model, right? So if you have a one-to-one business model or you work in really small groups, then you don't need as much social media necessarily versus someone like you who has a course or someone like me who has a software company Mm -hmm. where we do need a lot of people. And because it's usually like lower priced or one to many, right? So we do want the many part of that. And so, yeah, how do you decide or how do you kind of guide people whether they should be focusing on social media or not? I usually just tell people off the bat at the beginning to not focus on it, at least not for content creation, because most people are going to be starting with, and your software company is a little bit different. So like I'm speaking, I speak to service businesses. So that's kind of where my lens is looking through, but I think everyone should be starting off one-on-one because I think you really need to learn to fine tune your process, figure out how to apply your process to a specific niche, make sure you can get results before you start to scale things. So I'm a big advocate of starting with one-on-one. And I love social media for networking. Like, I think it's such a great tool for you have, you have access to people's inboxes in like a way that you just don't all the time through email or through other means. And so I love it as like a networking tool, but the content creation is where I tell people to just hold off. I'm like, use it because you're going to want to connect with people and you're going to want to like, you're going to meet people and that's going to be the place they're going to say to go follow them and whatever. And you can go and say hi, but the hours on Canva trying to make graphics and come up with quotes and hashtags and all of that is where I usually say, just stop. And let's put that energy, that amount of energy into something else would be so much more useful and give you so much better return. I totally agree. Yeah. I feel like we are told like, you know, Hey, post like five times a day or, you know, once a week or, you know, like there's all these different schedules and like different things you're supposed to do. So I love that permission to just like hold off on that. Maybe down the line, it might make sense if you're trying to scale to a certain, you know, group program or something like that, but even then it's not necessary. So I think another thing that comes up a lot too, is people say, well, if I'm not doing social media, like, do I need to do ads? Is that the other alternative, right? (laughs) No, definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. No ads. I don't know. I'm, I'm, are you guys running ads these days? Not these days. No, we did for a while, but we were holding off on that. Yeah. It's the ads are not like they used to be. Let's put it that way, but no, definitely not. ads. again, especially when you're new, you want to make sure that your messaging and everything you're doing works organically before you start like putting a bunch of money on top of it. So no, it's not ads. It's really simple. It's really simple. So, and I always think about like, well, what did I do when I started? And one of the biggest things that I did well, when I started my business, I did lots of things wrong, but one thing that I did well was I got exposure to other people's audiences pretty early on. I remember I did an interview series on my blog and I interviewed other people who had cool businesses and, you know, obviously they share it with their audience because it looks good for them that they were featured somewhere. And so this idea of kind of borrowing from other audiences that already exist, kind of like what we're doing now, you have an audience they might be new to me. Hi, now they all know who I am. Maybe they're going to go check me out. Maybe not. But this idea of getting in front of sort of bigger audiences that already exist when you're new and targeted audiences, right? Ones that would be potentially or ideally full of who would be your ideal clients is such a better idea than like 
one post on social media that who knows who's seeing it and who knows if you're going to find the right hashtags and algorithms to get the eyeballs on it. So I love that strategy. And it's what I started with. And then it was blogging and like guest blogging, right? Writing a blog post for someone else's website. But I feel like blogging is actually making a comeback, but it can also be podcasts, interviews. I've done like guest teaching and other people's Facebook groups or communities, whatever it is. I love that. And I feel like the more we can sort of connect to each other as humans, which I think is supposed to be the goal of social media, yeah. really quite, you know, always deliver on that. So I feel yeah. like that is how we build businesses, right? Through relationships, through those kind of joint partnership type things. And it doesn't have to be a super formal partnership. Like you said, it could just be a guest opportunity or kind of sharing somebody else's work and they'll do the same for you. Yeah. Yeah. Be super powerful. And the power of, of, social media tools for networking. And I always, do you know Michelle Warner? I do. Yeah. yeah. So I always love how Michelle Warner and I met because it's a perfect example. And she has a po whole program called Networking That Pays that I think is just brilliant. And again, she would probably advise the same thing using social media for this networking versus content creation. But she and I met because she, we were in a Facebook group together and I had, I can't remember why I was asking this question. Maybe, I don't know. I posted something about going on my first backpacking trip and needed packing advice. And she saw it. I don't know where I posted it. And she messaged me and she's like, Hey, we're in a couple groups together. I have a whole backpacking packing list. I can send it to you. And I was like, amazing. And so we kind of bonded over backpacking. We also are both a bit obsessed with dogs. And so on Instagram, you know, we'd send messages with dog photos or talk about each other's dogs. And it naturally you know, and in my mind, I remember thinking, like, oh, this is just great. And in her, in her mind, of course, it was all very authentic. But she also knew that, like, we had similar audiences that could probably benefit from each other. And so this little, you know, human connection that happened between us now has resulted in her being a guest in my program several times, me actually hiring her as my business coach for a while, me sending people over to her program all the time and all these continuous collaborations over the last probably like eight years. And the, the amount of business that I've gotten from that is huge. And I think people, like you said, the human connection is something that we try to do through content on Instagram, but I actually think it can happen in so many other ways and feel a lot less daunting and time consuming too than like pointing at reels and hoping we're <laughs> sharing the right message. Oh, I love that example so much. Yeah, I think it's amazing. You know, we have relationships like that in our business too, of like people who build websites and build membership sites. And so they'll refer people to us. We refer people to them to actually do the builds. And I know for you, you use Access Ally and you have yeah. a really beautiful website. And I think I wonder sometimes if people are just starting out are like, oh, I don't have, you know, this super awesome website yet or all of that. So do you feel like investing in branding and web design and all of those things are like right away things further down the line things. I definitely think they're further down the line things. I mean, it's like Squarespace is so I'm not on Squarespace. I'm on WordPress, but like platforms like Squarespace make it so easy to set up a really nice looking site now. Like I sound like an old person when I'm like back in the day we had to use like, it's just, we didn't have the same types of platforms, but it's so easy to get a pretty decent site up. So I do think it's a good idea to have something, but I think I always tell my students that they should be working with clients and getting paid before they have a website. And they're like, but how do I get clients? I'm like, well, it's not going to be through your website right away. So don't put the energy into that, but it's this networking, it's building relationships. It's telling everybody about what you do, just everybody in your current network and all the low hanging fruit, like 
get the clients in the door, make the money, and then you can use that to invest. And your site's going to be way better too once you've worked with some people, obviously, because you're going to have a way better idea of the language to use and what's going to resonate. I'm so glad you said that. I feel like, yeah, people think once I have the nice website, then I'll get the clients or then I'll be legitimate or, you know, however people think about it. Cause I yeah. have that. Back in the I know. And my first course, the course that is now on Access Ally was delivered through Dropbox. And it was my email marketing system, which was MailChimp and Dropbox folders for years. That is how I delivered the course. And I would just email out call recordings and I would email the modules and like, I had $100,000 launches with a course like this. So yeah, it's way better now, <laughs> but it did the job while I was building and you know trying to save enough money to invest in a course platform and trying to fine tune everything along the way. So I don't think you need anything fancy to get started. And I think that that's become, now I think since COVID where everyone's working from home and everyone's seeing each other's houses and stuff, I definitely think people are more accustomed to not having everything feeling polished, hopefully at least. I try to instill that in my students. Like it doesn't, you don't have to show up perfectly. Got dogs scratching at the door outside. Like somebody else might have babies crying. It's totally fine. Absolutely. Yeah. We're totally humans just doing business online, right? Yeah. So, yeah. COVID was great for that. I really, it's been fun to see so many people jump online because of COVID and having to be remote and just seeing people kind of get used to it. And, you know, cause we were, we were living this online lifestyle much before that, but it was cool to see that transition. Yes. I love that. Okay. So another thing that you mentioned about just telling everyone what you're up to and kind of, you know, you're available, this is the type of work that you do. I think sometimes we have this perception that people who hire us have to be strangers on the internet. So can you speak to that a little bit? I feel like we're like, no, we want people out there, like people who don't know us yet. You know, I know. It's so funny because I'm probably not even a good example of this because I tend to not talk about my business really a lot of my personal stuff at all. Like there's some people who literally use their, you know, Instagram and personal Instagram and personal Facebook for business. And I just don't even talk about it. But it's amazing how often I'll have people, you know, be like, oh, how's your life coaching business going? And I'm like, I haven't, been in life coach training since two, I did it in 2010. <laughs> like, so it's, it's a good reminder to me that, you know, it's a good idea to always be updating people on what you're up to and what you're doing these days, which when you're not already working online, I think doesn't come naturally, but there's so many people in our current network. And I don't just mean, I say this to my students and they're like, but I don't have a network. I'm like, you have friends, you have family, you have coworkers, past coworkers, who knows exes. Like you have all kinds of people that you're connected to. And one of them probably knows someone who has the problem that your business is going to solve. And so I love the idea of sending out like a simple friends and family email to everybody that you know, and you can send them individually for more impact, or you can group send it and just tell people what you're doing. That's where I think it, you really have to be clear and specific about what your offer is and who it's for. And you've got to make sure you have all that stuff dialed down, but also it's not that big a deal. Like people, here's the funny thing about when I have our students do the friends and family email is they panic because they're like, oh my God, I have to have it perfect. And I'm like, you know what? No one's going to pay attention, but the people who need it or the people who know someone who need it, it's going to stick in their mind. And so sometimes you get you know, nothing in return from that email right away. And then six months later, or I've had it happen where like two years later, somebody's like, hey, I think you said you were doing this thing. I seem to remember you sending an email. Like, can I send someone over to you? And so it's like you plant a little seed in people's minds and the next time they meet someone who happens to need what you offer, you're going to come to mind because just because you've planted that little seed. So I think this 
business is just to me, it's like planting little seeds everywhere and just letting the seeds grow and see what, see what comes back to you. Oh, I love all nature and farming. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is perfect. Yes. I love that. Okay. So one thing I want to also ask is when it comes to new coaches, sometimes it feels like coaches themselves have become like a market, right? And people are sort of preying on them, if you will. So like if somebody is new to coaching, they'll probably get bombarded by ads. They'll probably see like tons of, you know, pie in the sky claims of like what's possible and like six figures and yeah. blah, 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 like all this stuff all the time. So how do you help people kind of stay focused and not get pulled in by all of these like shiny objects? I know. Just, like, false claims sometimes, right? I know. It's so hard. And it What's interesting is I tend to get people after they've tried those things. So I kind of like it because a lot of my audience is like very savvy. They've joined all the courses, they've bought into the false claims and they're still not getting anywhere. And so usually by the time they come to me, they're ready for some real talk. And like, I'm able to say like, here's what the timeline usually looks like. And here's why those other things probably didn't work for you. And they're usually ready to kind of come back to basics. So, but I don't know, I talk a lot about the power of low expectations. Cause there's kind of this thing in the coaching world that is like dream big and go for it. And you're worth it. And like this big, and that's just not, I've just never been that person. I'm like, I don't know, maybe I can do it. And I'd way rather set a little bit of a lower bar and then exceed it and feel really good about myself versus set these crazy high goals, which a lot of coaches do. Cause they see this stuff out in the marketing world and they're like, Oh, I'm going to make six figures in three months and I'm going to quit my job. And then it doesn't happen. And they end up feeling like they suck or they're doing something wrong or they're just not cut out for this. And none of that stuff is true. It's just that it takes longer than the marketing people will usually tell you. And so I'm always like, let's like set the bar a little bit lower. Let's look at what it actually is going to look like. And, and I think it's important to clear away all the stuff that just takes up so much time. So a lot of people learn, a lot of new coaches are like creating reels and learning social media strategies and trying to create funnels. And I'm just like, you do not need to be doing any of these things. And so I like to try to just simplify things for people, but it sucks. I feel like it's, I've certainly bought into that stuff before. And I think you kind of have to get a little bit burned or misled for you to really take a step back and be willing to take the time that it takes to actually build something sustainable. It sucks that it usually has to happen that way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting that you say that. Cause I feel like we all kind of have to like experience something that doesn't work to realize what's going to work essentially. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I, we've all done that. Definitely. Like, yeah. It's not a sexy for me to be like, keep your job for another year and we're going to help you get one client at a time. And you're probably going to start by working for free. If you've never coached anyone, you're not going to set, you know, these high rates just because you're worth it. And so it's not as sexy of a message, but usually when people are ready to hear it, it's because they've already been through the other stuff and they're like, okay, this makes sense. <laughs> Now we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Did you know Access Ally is the most flexible way to sell and elegantly deliver digital offerings as your business grows all in one place on WordPress. You can create online courses, memberships, directories, and communities, and even sell team access all on your terms. Go to accessally.com to get a demo and see why it's the business scaling solution you've been looking for. Oh, I love that. I think the realistic expectations is huge. You know, I kind of look at online business as like a three-year 
kind of by the third year, things are starting to really get into a good groove. Like you have a little bit of momentum and people yeah. know what you're up to and like who to send your way and all of that. So I like that, you know, keep your job for a year. I think it's very realistic. Yes. And yeah, it's important. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So, you know, we've been talking about social media, we've talked about ads and you talked about using it more as a networking tool. So what about people who don't want to be on it like at all? Like for example, I deleted my Instagram account, but I do have a LinkedIn account and I use that and Facebook still. So like, yeah. do you coach people who have zero, zero social media? Yeah, I do. I think the thing that you just have to remember is you have to be somewhere. So you have to be connecting with people somewhere. So social media is a great tool to do it. Local in-person obviously has limitations. If you have a local business, great, meet everyone in your town, right? It's, it's a bit easier locally to build a smaller business. But if you want to really expand, it's like you have to be doing it somewhere. So if you want to expand beyond local but you don't want to be on any social media. It's like, okay, well, where else can you meet people? Are you attending a lot of networking events then? Are you, you know, really just like pounding the pavement with your current connections? Like there's still ways to do it and build a totally referral-based business, but you just have to be willing to do something. So I've met people who are like, I don't want to do any marketing. I don't want to be on social media. I just want to like do my coaching. And I'm like, then you need to go get hired by a company to coach because that's just not, it's not realistic to think that that's how it's going to work. So if you hate the marketing piece, probably get, get a, go get a job as a coach or whatever the insert, whatever your thing is that you do, because you have to kind of start to like the, the marketing piece at least a little bit and you can find what works for you, but you have to be somewhere. I like that. So yeah, no, not a lot of social media does not mean zero marketing, right? So yeah. You still will probably be sending emails to an email list or yeah. have maybe content on your own website or a podcast or something that kind of helps people find you at least somewhere. Yeah. On the internet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you can still do the whole borrowing other people's audiences and getting that exposure without it. Social media is just nice because you can sort of build those connections with people before you pitch to them and say, Hey, I'd love to come on your podcast. You can kind of build that before you pitch, but you can call pitch and people will say yes. So like, if you just want to go for it, you know, expect a lot of no's and that's totally normal. But yeah, that's a, that's a great way to do it is to just build up your own email list and start to get in front of other people's as well. I love that. So you are all about foundations, right? And making yeah. sure that people have those. So I think a lot of times when people come into coaching, they have sort of expertise from their previous jobs or like other things they've done in the past. So how do you help them figure out like what they should be keeping, what they should be like bringing with them and how to like package that up? Maybe they have a new training, you know, maybe they've just become a coach Yeah, so how do you help them figure out like all of that stuff. I know it's a big topic. I know it's sort of a niching question, right? It's niching. And then it's also like their process. It's funny because I've met some people who come in with all of this experience. Like, let's say they come from corporate, they worked in HR, they have all this experience and they're like, I want nothing to do with it. And they want to become like a general life coach who just helps people be happy. And I'm like, you're throwing out a whole lot of experience and credibility and expertise. And it's not that you'll be working in HR, but you'll, right. We can, we can still draw on your past experience and use that as credibility in your niche and have you not be actually doing that old job. So I think people are quick to just throw out everything. And when they switch careers like this and just like, I'm over it, but actually there's probably some work to do to integrate what you used to do and what you do now. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes people come into coaching with a really clear idea of like, this is who I want to help. Sometimes people have no idea. 
So if you have no idea, I usually am, I find I'm usually asking people like, why did you want to be a coach? Like what's, this just doesn't come out of nowhere that you're like, I'm, and we're, I'm saying coaching a lot because I speak to a lot of life coaches or health coaches and people in that space. But really you could think of it as like any, any industry you're going into, like, why are you going into this? You're not going into it to become a millionaire. It's not like, it's not just easy money. I'll just become a life coach. So like, there's gotta be something that's drawing you to it. So that's usually the easiest place I think to look for a starting niche. I also like to think of it as like a niche for now, like so much pressure of like, I have to figure out what I'm going to do in my business. And it's like, let's just give you a niche for now and get some clients in so you can get paid. And then you can like wiggle it to some other niche later, but like, let's get something started. And it's usually your own experience or something you've seen happening out there in the world that you want to try to fix. And I do think I think life coaching specifically is a skill that we kind of add to our toolkit, but we don't want to throw out all the other skills and experience that we have. So like if you have an assessment tool that you use, or if you have some other modality that you use, just because your, you know, your life coach training was like, just stick to coaching. This is your business now. So I say like, bring everything in and use that first year. I love how you said it takes about three years because the first year is really throwing a lot of your tools and spaghetti at the wall and kind of seeing what fits and what works and what works together and what doesn't really make sense for your niche. And I just really encourage people to experiment a lot in the first year to see what actually fits. Oh, I love the term niche for now. I feel niche like for now. who has heard the term niche and said, no, I can't do that. Oh my God. Um, Take yeah. the pressure off. Yeah. And it, cause it'll probably, it'll definitely change. And you could spend, I have people who come to me have spent years like journaling and meditating on their niche and they've gotten nowhere in business because they haven't been able to choose. And I'm like, if you just chose something six years ago and worked in it, you'd eventually get to what your perfect niche should be. And you, cause you just, you don't know until you actually start working with people. So yeah, I love just like get it to like 50% or 70% good enough and get, get started. Yeah. Such good advice. Yeah. I think everyone who's a perfectionist, you know, they're, they're going to hold back until they feel ready. Right. And I feel like you only get ready once you're out there doing it and getting feedback and seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work. So, yeah. Because uh, if you're not actually doing the work and you're just trying to figure out the marketing piece, you're going to burn out, you're going to hate it, and you're going to probably quit before you even get to the fun part. So I'd always way rather people be working with someone because even if they think like, oh, that's not my perfect niche, once you're in front of a human and you're using your skills and you're helping them, like generally, usually you love it. Even if they didn't come in as like the, the niche that you had in mind, like you're still getting to use all your skills to help someone. And usually I think that shifts people's mindset around niching because they realize once I'm in front of the human that it just, it's, it's all the same. It's just me doing my work. Yes. I love that so much. So your brand is all about the uncaged life. So what does mm -hmm. that look like for you? So I like to think about it from, you know, the off the charts grid, you can decide what you want on your axes. Like, is it more time freedom? Is it something else? So I'd love to hear what your perspective of that looks like for you. Yeah. And uncaged started, it's funny that the name has stuck because it kind of just came up in a brainstorming session when I was starting my business and I was like, yeah, we'll just stick it on there. And it's, it's stuck. And then it was, like I said, it was me trying to find a way to not have to have a boss again. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to have the freedom and flexibility to be able to do what I want? And I would say it's still that my, you know, how I spend a lot of my time has changed over the years, but I think it's just this idea that like you can decide when and how to spend your time. And so even if that means working, 
where you want to work, how you want to work. If you want to take the afternoons off to pick your kids up at school. I do a lot of traveling. So I have a camper van that I'm often traveling around in and still running my program and taking calls. And so it's really, I think, but having the flexibility of deciding how you want to spend your time versus being kind of locked in a specific way. And it's funny because I remember when I started, my, I had a lot of people come to me and were like, I don't want to really go traveling and rock climbing. Like, can I still work with you? I was like, yes, like (laughs) those are my hobbies, but they don't have to be yours. You know, you could be very happy to just like spend your, and and now I laugh because I'm most of the time, 99% of the time, just hanging out with my dogs in the town that I live in. So (laughs) the version of Uncaged changes, but I think it's super individual for everyone. Yeah, I love that. I know it's the same for me, you know, like definitely in the beginning travel had appeal and now I'm like a total homebody. Like <laughs> You can't leave your farm. We have a farm. So yes, exactly. it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work and it is definitely like daily stuff. So it's not like I can leave for, you know, a big trip or anything, but at the same time we love it. So yeah, as things change, you know, you can have your business adapt and keep supporting you and vice versa. Like, I feel like you support your business and your business supports you. Right. So, yeah, I just love the idea of people being able to build a career that lets them have that flexibility. So like they can go back to school and manage it. They can go start a farm and their business will support that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. So what are you most excited about right now in your business or even like online, just kind of in general? In my business, I'm really excited about my team right now. <laughs> my team is amazing. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been a challenge with, with team and figuring out the right fit. And it seems like it takes, it's, again, there's like another growing phase of every phase of business. And for the last few years, it's been that. So yeah, I'm just stoked on the, the few folks that I've got on my core team. I just took a couple of weeks off, which I travel a lot, but I'm usually always working. And I was away in Hawaii and I was like, I want to just take the time off. Like, I don't want to check in. I don't want to be online. And I I rarely ever do that. I'm kind of like always a little bit on. And it was so nice to just go away and be like, it's just all being handled. I'm not stressing about it. Yeah. That's been really fun. Oh, I love hearing that. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, I love that you've been able to build this business and support other people who are building similar businesses. So any sort of parting words of wisdom for people who are embarking on this journey, or maybe they've been burned, like they've been around the block and they're like, okay, like, Uh, yeah, if that's happened, it doesn't mean you're not good at what you do. And it doesn't mean you're not good at business. It just means that there was probably a mismatch in expectations. And so my advice is to always just get, get doing the work as fast as possible. So if you find you're doing a lot of behind the scenes work, that's not bringing you clients right away, get out there and get a client. And I don't care if it's like a free client or paid, usually just get somebody in the door. Usually free is easier to do that because you got to stay connected to the work that you're doing in order to get through all the humps of the beginning of the marketing, learning all the marketing stuff. And I think the only way to do that is to actually be working with the human. So go and get clients, however you need to take a break from the marketing It's funny because people hear that and they're like, but don't I need the marketing to get the clients? I'm like, no, just go tell, tell people that you have five spots and that you're looking for clients to help with ABC can be that simple, but yeah, stay connected to it because you'll get lost in the marketing stuff. If not. Such good advice. Going back to basics, super powerful. So Becca, where can people go to find you and, you know, follow your work or learn from you? Yeah. Well, we have a couple social media platforms. <laughs> we do have a large Facebook group, which I've kept open over the years. We've got probably 15 or 20,000 people in it. And it's a great place to just meet again, like that networking piece. We don't do sales or promotions in there, but just a way to meet other businesses and ask questions like, you know, and, and read people's questions that you didn't even know you needed answers to. 
And then we're also on Instagram at The Uncaged Life. And we've got a bunch of free resources on the website too over at theuncagedlife.com. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Well, I hope everyone took all of your advice to heart. It is so amazing and refreshing because I think, yeah, the content creation hamster wheel that everyone is on on social media is no fun. (laughs) And this sounds way, way easier. And I think it's just going to be more effective, to be honest. So yay. That's awesome. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. So nice to see you. Want to keep growing your business on your terms? Then sign up for my free newsletter, The Momentum Memo. You'll get quick, actionable tips to gain momentum in your business every Tuesday. Head over to natalielussier.com forward slash memo to join over 6,000 other entrepreneurs scaling on their terms. Whether you're just getting started or have been running your business for a while, The Momentum Memo has something for you. 